a season isn't a season unless it ends. Mm, um, yes. You know, and, and that's, I think that's one of the challenges for us. I mean, we do have a really amazing team that's, yeah. that's a huge part of our success today with 150 employees in Ethiopia. We've got about 20 here in the U.S. Um, so, but as we kind of keep growing it and the vision of going, hey, we want to be way bigger and way, you know, beyond where we're at today, you kind of feel like you're, you know, constantly pushing yeah. that along. And so I think I've, you know, said many times to Brittany, hey, babe, it's just a season. Right. And now I like I, I catch myself before I say it because I know Brittany's gonna Those be words like words mean nothing mm. to me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you gotta bring up our fight. I mean I'm usually right, but that's cool. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Never, no way. Let's go back. Don't share that story. Hang on, did I go too fast? You just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're a visionary. I see your I'm connection a- here. <laughs> Love or work. Hey, welcome to the Love Work Podcast. This is your host, Jeff. And Andre. And we had a fun one today. We do, we do. And it's also very timely. It's very seasonal. Very seasonal. Oh, isn't it interesting? We talk about the importance of seasons, and yet this podcast is very seasonal. Oh, goodness. Timely focused season. So everybody is thinking about what we're thinking about, which is shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on. (laughs) Is that what we're thinking about? No, I, that's what I'm that's thinking about. That is I, not what's I on think, men's brains as much. Okay, but women, y'all with me, Christmas is coming and it's coming so fast. And we have to make a plan and figure out gifts and yeah. figure out what to do. And this is the best, best podcast for this. And if there's any men listening, this is definitely an incredible gift you could give your partner. Okay, yeah. Tell I'm telling you women... Uh, men, you want to buy this for your woman. So Let me tell you what. Let me look tell you at this. Parker Clay. Uh, hang on, I have a feeling deep down within. I'm trying to figure I'm out if that was a that hint you're going to get me something that I, I'm supposed to get one for those, or should I have just well, asked you, them if they could give one to you? No, or, now you got a discount code oh and everything. So, there's a discount code. Yes. So can you let me talk? I was setting you up. That was like, yes. oh, there's a discount code. Yes. So what is Parker Clay? It's like this awesome, like conscious. Um, bag company they have other products too but the bags are and they're all made in ethiopia yeah you'll hear the whole story yes so parker clay is a kind of they craft leather bags that provide um employment and uplift women of exploitation and predominantly in ethiopia and we are going to do a partnership with them for this special episode um what i know they're going to give you 20 percent off and the promo code is LOVERWORK20. And these holiday gifts, whoo, they're so 20% pretty. Off. I'm, just, and we're gonna, I'm just scrolling right now, looking at all their bags and how much I want. One. We're also going to do a little giveaway online on Instagram. So be on the lookout for that. What, at this moment, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but it's going to be awesome. Um, yeah. So you better get me one of these bags, honey. Oh, my goodness. I specifically like this one right Which here. One like? That is, oh. this, <laughs> It's the Marie Backpack. It's looking pretty sweet. Basically, the mo- the the best, most expensive one. Did you pick the most expensive? I don't even know the cost, but it's called the Marie Backpack. Girls, women, check it out. <laughs> Let me it's tell you. It's beautiful. I don't know the cost either, but I know it's the most expensive one. It's beautiful. Anyways, uh, we are interviewing the founders today. Yes. Ian and Brittany Bentley. And we are hearing the whole story of Parker Clay, how this came to be. Their family, they've been married 17 years and have five kids. Yep. Um, what should we be listening for? The one-way ticket. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was How a big deal. adoption changed everything. hmm And they asked us a question. It turned a little... They, they looked for a little counseling from us. Oh, yeah. It was fun. We flipped the switch on them. They did. It was kind of cool because we got to meet them because someone had recommended our book to them. And so we, they, they gave us a little feedback and, and we talked about some stuff. It was good. Yeah. It was good. All right, everybody. We have Ian and Brittany Bentley with Parker Clay. Every time I tell this story, she's like, oh my gosh, you're going to tell them we met in high school, <laughs> which we did. And um, I, I was older. Exactly. I was yeah. a sophomore. She was a senior, which is a big deal mm-hmm. in high school. In high school, yeah. Um, 
So we met actually here in Santa Barbara uh, in high school, started dating, and we dated for how many years? Three or four. And then we got... Something like that? Yeah, and then got uh, engaged. Moved to San Diego, got engaged, moved back to Santa Barbara, married, and got pregnant with our first child, Parker. And yeah, we bought our own house. Oh yeah, just all yes. the normal stuff. I but this we, is this is real young. Then I mean, this is real young, and we were like on a responsibility fast track right there. We were like, good jobs, you know, working for even better jobs. I was doing freelance graphic design while you know having a little baby, and Ian was just trying to climb the corporate ladder as high as possible and get all the money. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, yeah. So um. It was just a, it was just very predictable, and I hate that. I just like change. I like thinking outside the box and try, doing different things all the time. Um, I'm an Enneagram Seven. Mm-hmm. I like to keep it new and fresh. Um, so I had I was starting to really uh, get antsy in that, <laughs> in that lifestyle. We're living in a small town just outside of Santa Barbara, and we were ready. For, I was ready for some adventure. So I was bugging Ian a lot at that time. I, I think we were five years married by then. We had Clay Clayton, so Parker Clay, our first two boys. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I was just going through a season of you know pregnant breastfeeding, pregnant breastfeeding. It yeah. was just like the cycle four years of this, and I just like I think after after Clayton, I ran three half marathons in one year. I just like needed to <laughs> do something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have some <laughs> kind of ambition under. for yourself. Yes. And that's when we started talking about adoption, which definitely changed everything. I feel like Brittany just described like our life over so much in just like <laughs> seconds. It was amazing. <laughs> that was a five-year span, I think. <laughs> so you've been married how many years and how many children do you have? So we've been married it's basically 17 years now, and we have five children. Adoption changed everything. Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, so obviously falling in love in high school, going, you know, young and then getting married, you know, and I think 17 years ago, the idea, at least for me as a, as a guy to this ingrained still, even then was, you know, you go to work, you provide for your family, you, you know, you're successful. And, and so like we had a fairly stereotypical, you know, marriage and start to life. And then you have kids, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a parent now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the boys, when adoption came into the story, I think when we were in high school, Brittany brought up, hey, maybe we should, you know, if we ever get married, let's adopt a kid. And it was like, oh, that sounds cool. Well, now she's bringing it up after two kids. And it was, this was like 2000. I was totally done having kids. We were like, going to have no more kids. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, oh, I wanted to adopt. And that was so important to me. And I needed to <laughs> right away after the boys. Right. And this was what, 2009? 2009, yeah. So 2009. So I was working in real estate development in business and career was going well, but market was not going well. Mm-hmm. And Adoption's expensive too. So my immediate like practical response was, I don't know, that just doesn't seem to make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're thinking through the lens of finances, finances mostly, right? Finances, yeah. totally. I was thinking about, gosh, this is expensive. How are we going to do this? Because I'm the one that's providing. And you were working about 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. You're like, I want to spend time with the kids we already have. Yeah. So we're Brain's already out. starting to call me out, right? <laughs> on right. these things, which is one of the things I love dearly about her. <laughs> um, I've learned that over the years. So it took a while, but it was one night in particular where uh, I was watching something about kids around the world that were orphaned. And it was like 163 million orphans in the world. And the idea of 163 million is like, is just, you can't even fathom what that means. But then as I sit and look at Parker and Clay, I start to go, oh my gosh, what, what if that was one of my sons? Mm-hmm. And then that like everything in my body just reacts to, I'm not okay with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the pivotal point where I went and talked to Brittany and I was like, hey, I, I, I want to hear more about this adoption. I want to think about it. And, and she was like, here's the paperwork. 
which country? We've got 10 countries we can choose from. You just need a sign. <laughs> she was ready. She's, been, like, oh, she's been sitting on that okay. for a while. <laughs> I, was, I was. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So she was She was ready. I was trying to rile them up in any way possible. Like, let's move to another country. Let's, you know, go march with invisible children. Let's do all, you know, everything there is. <laughs> yeah. So that happened. And... You know, the condensed version is over the course of a year, we started to adopt from Ethiopia. We got matched with a young little girl who's a few months old. And, you know, just something in that start of that process, you get kind of, you see these pictures of your daughter for the first time because this is your daughter now that I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And then we fly to Ethiopia in 2000 and 2011. Yeah. And we met our daughter for the first time. And, you know, that moment was super pivotal to just showing up and, and really picking up our daughter and going, oh my gosh, like this is our child. Just in the same way for those of us that have biological kids, mm-hmm. you know, it's an, it's an incredible experience. It's a gift. It's a miracle. And then with adoption to know this whole story and pick up our daughter. Mm-hmm. And just wait for her for a year, you know, knowing. Yeah. How old was she at that time? First met her when she was four months old. And then we brought her home at six months. Okay. And you held her at four months. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then what we did though, is we traveled outside of the city of Addis Ababa um, and went down into our daughter's birth village where, where she was from. And we started to meet the people and put together this story and narrative around her life. That was just remarkable. Like the experience we had was, you know, we were just going down to see the countryside because we had no information on her at all. So we just wanted to get pictures of where she was from. And then all the pieces started coming together one person at a time to where we were almost getting a full picture all in one day. We had one day there and it just blew our minds. But mm-hmm. one of the ladies um, that found our daughter is just the most remarkable woman. And she was waiting every day to get an update on our daughter. And we just show up all of a sudden at her front gate in her little village and just completely never thought she would, but just, she was waiting expectantly for something. Mm. She just knew she was going to get some sort of information. And so us just being there, just that changed her life. Also, we're still great friends with her to this day Mm. and just started us on a path where we were blown away by the people of Ethiopia. They have just an amazing culture and um, so much love and attention to each person in their community that mm-hmm. we fell in love with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was the, like immediately felt like family. Mm-hmm. The, and, and, and I think going to Ethiopia, the perception of famine, poverty, all the things that I think for probably a lot of people still even today think about Ethiopia mm-hmm. and we just saw such a different narrative, a young, vibrant culture, beautiful country, um, people who were, you know, would do anything for you. Even as a foreigner, they would do anything for you. Mm-hmm. And it just blows away. And then here we have this little girl that's our daughter and we start to really kind of learn more about what's going on. Why are there orphans? What's happening in Ethiopia? And we felt like when we brought our daughter home to Santa Barbara, it just that like those thoughts never left us. Mm-hmm. We just kept kind of going, what do we do with this? How do we, do we, you know, and we were talking about like, do I quit my job? Do I go get a master's in some nonprofit? You know, we were emailing other companies and brands and, and yeah. nonprofits to say, Hey, can we help with water projects? Whatever it is in Ethiopia. There's not one moment where like, let's move to Ethiopia. It just all of a sudden started moving that direction. Hmm. Ian made a couple trips back to just hear from communities of what they actually need. And everyone was saying, creating employment. Don't come here to help with another orphanage or to do something else, create employment. Um, And, you know, Ian being the business guy that he is, is that's, he loves that. And that's what he you know, desired to do from the beginning also. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was great because we'd meet with people in Ethiopia and they're like, we're like, Hey, well, what's helpful. You know, like what an important question to ask someone who you're trying to help um, seems obvious, but they're like, Hey, please don't come and be a burden. Like come and create opportunity. Mm-hmm. We've got over a hundred million people in Ethiopia who are ready and willing to go to work. 
Why are there orphans? Why are there women in prostitution? Because they don't often have other opportunities, mm-hmm. right? And and it was like, I have now. I we have this daughter, who, when that kind of clicked as well to think about all those women who are in prostitution, most of whom are are orphans. Mm-hmm. If that was the destination for my daughter, it'd be like, okay, this is going to stop. Like right. this has to stop. So. Mm-hmm. That was the trajectory that ultimately launched us into um, to, to finding an organization that was helping women out of prostitution. And for us, we bought in 2012, bought one-way tickets, sold everything, bought one-way tickets and moved the whole family to Ethiopia. Wow. As you can see, it's a big change from Ian's initial path. So there was a little <laughs> yeah. that year. There goes your corporate America right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I loved it. <laughs> so how long did you live there? It's a one-way ticket. <laughs> yeah, we lived there for three years. And within six months living there, um, we adopted a nine-year-old girl. Okay. So um, she joined our family and um, didn't speak any English and had never had any education. So that was a big change for us. Um, changed the dynamics of our family quite a bit, but everybody, it was amazing. And um, we all worked at, you know, the, helping at the nonprofit that we were um, spending all of our days at. Uh, the whole family would come there and we, the kids would play and um, we'd do a little bit of school there um, while the women were hand dyeing scarves and towels. And it was a big family process really until we I'm like oh we need to really cut back and start educating our nine-year-old I need to spend more time at home all of a sudden my world became in the compound of homeschooling which was not something I wanted to do to begin with but um I get excited about new challenges and that was definitely a huge challenge so I had to dive into that fully. And Ian was going into the nonprofit in Addis and um, spending long hours there. So that was a huge initial challenge mm-hmm. being there. I think one theme that probably is something that will arise more as we talk is just like these moments where we're both so bi- incredibly busy, you know, and then you kind of just, it's that like ships in the night, you kind of just crossing over each other going, oh wait, we need to connect. Like, mm-hmm. We're, we're both so incredibly busy that we just forget to also go, are you good? Uh, you know, am I, am, I'm not good or, or what's, how can I help? And cause I think that. Has, yeah. And for the past, I guess, since even moving to Ethiopia, our passions have been so much the same that we divide and conquer on the same passion instead of like coming together, somehow working on it. We're like, we both know what's good for the nonprofit. We both know what's good for helping our daughter. Let's divide and conquer that. So that's definitely been a challenge we're working on. (laughs) That is true. It is a lot easier to just divide and conquer. Like you do your way that, or your thing that you're really good at, and I'll do my thing that I'm really good at. And then you can just keep going on this parallel path for a really long time before all of a sudden you realize like, wait a minute, are we roommates? Or are we, you know, are we more than that? Or what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, we'd have many occasions where um, one of the women that, you know, there's a really good success rate, but there's occasionally the women that are going back into prostitution or need help with something. And um, Ian would need to go out late in the evening or something to take care of a situation. And I'd always encourage that because that's what I also felt passionate about. I was excited for him to do something we were both passionate about. So even if it affected our family, even if it affected our marriage, we were both like, no, this is more important because these women need us more than we might've, you know, needed each other at that point. Not that that's true, but that's at the time where like, they need us more. Let's pay attention to that. So that can get real unhealthy real fast. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So then in the midst of that also, like you're there for three years, you're, where does Parker Clay come in in that? Did it happen while you were there or what? What was, yeah. What we discovered while we were there was this, this sweet spot of, you know, uh, kind of the, the business model, right? Okay. 
where we're creating jobs and you start to see these women that are, were in prostitution coming out, getting a job, you know, a skill set where they could go out and no longer need to go into prostitution. Very, very powerful. But what we were always kind of keen in looking at was this can't just be trinkets. This can't just be like these, you know, tchotchke gifts that, you know, it's like, oh, sweet, I'll buy that as like a donation. And I get this cute little thing. Yeah, I talked to a lady recently that said, oh, yeah, I have a closet of all those things I bought. Exactly. <laughs> like this, she did, it's exactly. not being used or whatever. Yeah. So philanthropically, they're basically writing a donation check, right? Right. But then you have this two plus trillion dollar fashion industry in the world, mm-hmm. right? Where, where you've got big monster businesses that are playing this fashion game, making huge, huge amounts of money. But what good are they doing with it? Mm-hmm. So I've always kind of been keen on the business side with Ethiopia to go, what is here? What, what resources, what opportunity? How can we, we, we transform a place that's been dependent on aid to a place where trade can take that, you know, and, and really heal a lot of those, those issues underlying? And we wanted our daughters and the people back home even to see the beauty that we were seeing in the country and have something to be like, wow, this is made in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. So when we, it was Brittany's birthday one year, we're living there. It was probably 2013, like a year or two into living there. And there's no big chain malls. There's like not a lot of shopping options there. But we found at a small little boutique store, this, this leather bag. And we just, Brittany was like, oh, that's cool. And we looked inside and there was a tag in it that said made in Ethiopia. And I'm like, no way, it's made here. And we look in the back and literally the guy's phone number is on the tag. And I'm like, <laughs> who is this both guy? Of I were like, who is this guy? <laughs> right. And so I was like, I'm going to call him. I need a belt. That'd be fun to make a wallet. Like, you know, a briefcase. how do we do this? So I meet this guy for coffee and he's like, and I'm like, is there, is leather here? Like I see goats and cows everywhere, but how's the leather? And he kind of like laughs, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's massive. And so I was like, can, can you take me to the tannery? I want to just, I want to understand what's happening. And so we went to one of the tanneries in, in uh, Ethiopia. And that particular day, the owner of the tannery was filling a shipping container with leather that was getting exported. And I'm going, where are you sending this to? And he goes, oh, today we're shipping this to Italy. And it was like, Italy? made in Italy, like which brands immediately pop in your mind (laughs) when you hear Italy. And so that light bulb moment, I remember going back to him, Britt, I I think there's something here, like this beautiful raw material that's being exported to countries that are known to make premium products. If we can design some products that the consumer wants, not because it's doing good, but because they like it, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. The, The customer wants it. Yeah. And it's interesting because at the same time in 2013, this huge ripple effect in the fashion industry happened in Bangladesh, where this Rana Plaza, this huge building collapsed, killing over a thousand people. Mm-hmm. And the consumer started to look at the tag on their shirt going, wait, was it, shoot, was it made there? Right. And there's yeah. this awakening. An awareness of where your stuff comes from. Exactly. And, and it's really been coined this conscious consumerism, yeah. you know, which younger generations, our generation, younger generations are now pushing that more and more to say it's no longer negotiable. Like we need to know where our products are made, how they're made, but we don't want to compromise on the style, right? That's still the right. tension. That's good. So as soon as we found that bag, that was what started really us kind of going into, hey, let's create some samples. Let's see how it goes. And, and we were creating the beginning just to continue to support us living there and continue to support women in creating employment in Ethiopia. It was very much for us to stay there. We weren't thinking globally yet. Um, but the more bags we created for ourselves personally, and then um, we went on a trip, a um, little break to California and everybody was loving the bags and we're like, Oh, okay, this is, this is going to work. And, you know, every trip we'd come back to the States, the styles here would change so drastically. It was the year pom-poms were really in on everything. Mm. We're like, Oh, I don't know if we can keep up with the U S style living in Ethiopia. Um, mm. That was a bit of a challenge, but we're like, we are going to create styles that are classic clean lines that are year over year, they don't, the trends, uh, you know, 
yeah, can keep going. And these style, these bags will stay looking amazing. So that's that was our first. And plus, we were training our own factory, so it was us never creating leather products before. I'm a graphic designer. I'm not a product designer, but we were designing, um, developing every step of the way um, new products. And we got a lot of help from different adoptive families that were coming into Ethiopia. They were marketing that, you know, one family in particular offered to ship products out of their garage and um, start a website for us. And that was like our first big push to get it started. So what right. year was that? 2000, how that was long? 2000, 2014 is when like, my daughter, Abby, the, our oldest uh, adopted daughter, we came back to California to get her citizenship. And I got our business license on that trip. So that's when Parker Clay started. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now, so it's, it's interesting. You said adoption changes, uh, changed everything, which ultimately led to you know, your business now. Um, yeah. So behind the scenes though, I would love to hear, take us back to a moment when um, there was a tension that you guys had along this journey together and it caused you to shift how things worked relationally. So like there was a, a, a moment, it could be, you know, obviously it's probably contrasting opinions. It could be, um, it could be something overwhelming. Something's not working. Good. Use your words. Yeah. Are you good? And someone responded, no, I'm not good. Like, <laughs> take us back to one of those moments that was kind of transitional for the two of you. We might have different moments. but I love it. I love it. Yes. We please. need both then. I can get my moment, which I'm not sure was totally solved in that moment, but it was like a, a definitely a shift. It was one of my biggest dreams. And I felt like I was the starter of that dream to move to Ethiopia, even though he maybe initiated us moving. It was my initial dream to like, live in another, another country. And he was doing all the things that I wanted to do in the country. And I was like in a compound homeschooling so that I was not doing mm. what I really wanted to do. Although it was very cool. Love my children. You know, <laughs> was, I promise I do love them. <laughs> I, promise I, love them. Um, I was home a lot of the times and he was, he was doing also all the fun stuff at the tannery messy part of the business, which I didn't necessarily want to do. I want to help design the bags, but I don't want to do all the messy side of it. Um, and then he was also help running the nonprofit and scaling the business there for them. So he was doing two jobs, trying to do them really well, but I was in a compound all day long. So I remember a specific time when he actually like wrote a letter and told me I can give it to him. And as soon as I give him the letter, we will move home instantly. Like if it got to that point where like, I am just done, then I give him the I, letter and he's I like, wrote, the yeah, resignation I, I, letter. Yes. Yeah. I sent, so I knew that, I mean, here I am, like, I'm thinking we're together, right? We're doing this. Like we're, we've made a decision together. It's crystal clear. Yes. We have different parts of that role. Right. But, um, you know, I felt like I'm out and we're like, as much as I'm out hustling and getting busy and all these things are happening. He's doing it for us. And I'd come home and be like, <laughs> Hey, all these great things happened today. And Brittany would be like, do you want to hear about homeschooling? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, cause oh, I'm a little geez. mad at you right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it was like, and then, and so, and I'm like, I'm, I'm more an internal processor. So I would take that and be like, Oh shoot, what did I do wrong? Like where, what's going on? And so, you know, I think it was one of those moments where I was like, you know what, if this isn't working for, for Brittany, then it's not working for us. And so that's when it was like, I'm going to write this letter and it's my resignation letter and I'm signing it and saying, if your call. Like, I actually wrote it to the nonprofit specifically, mm-hmm. um, telling them that we had to leave, yeah. but I was given the letter, letter to give to them. Yeah. I never did because I definitely still wanted to live there. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, I think that would mean we'd leave this and I don't really want to leave Ethiopia. Right. But But your job has got to be done. Yeah. So you you didn't resign. Did not resign. No, no. I I, That letter, I don't know where that letter is. Brittany probably still has it just in case. But (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, it was more of that, you know, obviously 
empowering Brittany to know, hey, we're in this together. Like, mm. if it's not good for you, then it's not going to happen for us. And that was something that we have always been committed to, right? Is like working through the, those things. Um, we usually take it a little too far, but. Well, I think we're just busy. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we, we love like pushing the limits. We're we pushers. We're, we're dreamers. We're always trying to kind of imagine what's next. And I think that's where at certain points, the intersection of this passion, you know, kind of gets smacked with the realities of just, well, we need to prioritize. Mm-hmm. There's things that we can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so interesting and, and hard, what happened is we were actually on a, a little sabbatical um, in 2015 or so. Called Breathe. It was like a retreat center because we we needed it (laughs) yeah so it was this conference in switzerland it was beautiful it was wonderful lots of other families who were doing international work and um and we noticed our daughter started having these weird like kind of seizure-ish like episodes and Brittany, the amazing mother she is like immediately starts doing research and she's like our daughter has gelastic seizures it's like how how do you know that this is like some weird Thing, but Brittany called it and sure enough we rerouted trips I went back to Ethiopia with the other kids and Brittany took Sela, our youngest at the time um, to uh, UCLA. UCLA and discovered our daughter has a brain tumor and so um, you know that is what ultimately brought us back to the states to move home for brain surgery and that was incredibly difficult because what we didn't also mention is Brittany's, we have our, our fifth, which is biological. So we're in Ethiopia. We've spent grueling three years building this business. Oh, oh my. And you get and pregnant. You, you get a surprise. Wow. Yeah. So I was, I mean, just a, a, a funny little memory is um, when I took Sela to UCLA, they wouldn't let me into neurology from the ER right away. Um, because her seizures stopped after a minute and they weren't right after each other. So it took a day to get into neurology. So I literally slept in a van in the UCLA parking lot in the back pregnant with Sela. Um, it's just like one of those desperate situations where you're like, you're in the U S and it's like, I, I couldn't even process getting a hotel. Like I literally slept in the van. It was like a you know very traumatic situation, and the next day we got in and it's like figuring out this whole new journey we'd be on after that. Mm. Wow! So that was a plot stuff. twist. That I was wasn't like, ready for that one. Either either part. <laughs> I wasn't ready for the the brain tumor. The, I wasn't ready for that one or the pregnancy. I wasn't ready for the pregnancy. <laughs> I can tell you how the pregnancy happened. But I don't know. I wasn't ready for she it. She was really done. I really believed she was done. I thought there was going to be three adopted kids. We went. It was like a left turn. I wasn't Lefty. ready. You like got us. Oh, my goodness. I know. Welcome to the Bentley life. Uh, we're done, though, guys. Five, five is enough. We're done. I hope that that was taken care of surgically. Yes. So that that's yes, a ma'am. true, true <laughs> statement. <laughs> Crystal clear. Crystal clear. Okay, we need some crystal clear clarity. This is a true story. When (laughs) after our second child, Andre, I was done. Andre was done. She would, she was done, and would not do anything with me until I had that surgery, (laughs) and it was a done, done. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we've shared that on the podcast before. (laughs) How that all? Let's make it crystal clear. (laughs) That okay. sounds pretty clear. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. I probably said that after two kids also. So you just never know. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> so they made it done done. Yeah. Done done. So now okay, you okay. have this So business now we got a brain surgery and a, bi- yeah, brain surgery. And a business in Ethiopia. So you, you bring all, yeah. you you guys move back to the States. You, ha- you have, you no, have. Only, oh. No, only well, Sayla and I went back to get them for a week. Okay. And then we go back to Ethiopia with medication. The medication does not work one bit. And she is just completely um, falling apart, like mentally downhill. um, And to the point where like, I cannot homeschool any of the children because I have to hundred percent focus on her. And we're like, we got to wrap this up quickly. We never expected to leave Ethiopia. So that was heartbreaking because it's like, 
how many people can go to Ethiopia and do all this and enjoy it and feel like they're doing well at it? Why are we the ones having to choose to go home when we don't want to? So that was a hard decision. Um, We left the manufacturing side um, in the hands of our Ethiopian friend and moved back home to no job. Parker Clay was not paying us. We were living in a, we moved back to our friend's one bedroom pool house. We kids in the closet. Yeah. Kids slept in the walk-in closet. Uh, yeah Uh, but it was like so many things going wrong that it was almost manageable in the sense that it's like you just gave up control because so Mm. much was falling apart Mm. was it a question if you're just gonna let go of parker clay ever i mean i'm sure you have so much struggle and family and homeless life happening that feels overwhelming did you feel like that was something that needed to be given up and let go of so that you could do that, you know, so that you could make it together. Yeah. Or... I think with all the challenging things going on, even though, believe me, the Ethiopia, our business in Ethiopia and Parker Clay was extremely challenging. It was the exciting thing in our life at that time too, the fun, okay. um, even through the challenges. So we had, there was no question and we kept that going as normal. I mean, we were shipping out our first Christmas that year from the side of the pool house. Mm-hmm. wrapping the packages, uh, taking them to the post office. And, you know, we thought our business was really big at that point. Um, and we we're amazed with how many orders we got for Christmas that year. And uh, we always wanted to pursue that. It just, Ian needed to get a full-time job to cover the medical expenses, get us a house, um, you know, all those details. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, I mean, at its core though, like you're right. The question of, gosh, what all we've just committed our life to, is, is that going away? Like, right. can we actually do this? Was totally, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, if we're honest, I think those are the thoughts. It's like, what can we, what, if we need to give something up, what does it look like? And I mean, we held onto it tightly for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of that process is, you know, what has galvanized it into what it is today. But, you know, it was, I mean, it equally as hard when I went back into a good friend of mine who works in real estate, who I told up front, hey, we, we built this business. It's just starting and we're going to continue to commit to it. So I need you to, to know that up front. And he was very excited about what we were doing. And, and it was a great partnership with this guy. Um, but it was, you know, a full, busy full-time job helping run this real estate company here. And then mornings, lunches, evenings, weekends. I mean, it was... I mean, he was it's going side to Ethiopia on trips a month and a half after we got home and a week before our baby was born. So it was... <laughs> and then a month after our baby was born, our daughter got brain surgery. So we were still very much actively involved in everything, um, in every aspect. It was that a sounds, tenth season, but it was... Crazy time. Like we were, I remember it kind of yeah. well. Like it was a... We were very close as a family at that time too. Like we completely depended on, we had a sort of rules almost, you know, when you first bring home an adopted child and you have that bonding time. I felt like we created that space when we first moved back to the state where we were just all very tight. Wow. Well, so now I guess six years later, you have this business that's doing well. It seems to be doing well. Um, You know, the startup phase, you never know, but yeah, Uh, (laughs) it's always a hustle. Um, and I'm curious, what have you two learned about like how you do this together, how you, um, kind of maintain your relationship in the midst of having a family of five and running a business and all of that? Yeah. I mean, it's just never, it's, I would say it's never ending work, but it's worth it. You know, it's like, we, it feels kind of like you're this relational chemists constantly because so many things change like the world change i mean think about this year right i mean the world changes and uh now kids are at home and there's other ingredients that are going on um finances change and i think like you know for us like being rooted uh certainly from a faith perspective but just as a you know as a couple where we know we can look at each other and go, we're, we're, we're going to work through this. Like we're going to get through this. And there's been little tweaks and adjustments that we make along the way, whether we're having, I remember a friend of ours 
calling it logistics meetings, you know, where you're like, okay, let's go over the calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes those practical pieces are super important. They're mm-hmm. definitely the less sexy part, but it's, it's the stuff that you start to kind of ground yourself with, um, you know, a friend of mine, actually this just today was, I was talking to was talking about, you know, he believes that all really complex things can be broken down into smaller tasks. Like it's just mm-hmm. this idea of complexity. It's like, let's just break it down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes it's just pull back. You know, I remember a couple of years ago, Brittany and I, when we were like going out and doing pop-up shops and, and stuff for holiday season, um, we were driving home and it was like, I think I, I was like, Hey, let's, let's just stay an extra night. Like let's just stay at a hotel and not go home to the kids. Right. Grandparents have them. And I remember like Brittany's, ah, but we, I think we should get home. And I was like, Hey, I think this is, we're better parents if we take this time and then go back to our kids. Um, that was really fun. That was really fun. So yeah. And after reading your guys' books, I have to say a few things. Oh, I like <laughs> we, this. Oh, boy. Yeah. And it's, in, it's a, we've improved over the years. So we haven't always had this, but we do have someone because our daughter has disabilities that does help us with childcare. So we are in that percentage group. Good job. Um, good job. More recently. Yeah. We, we more recently now have someone that helps us clean the house occasionally. So we can't, you know, do it without those people. And we do have two sets of grandparents in town that um, every other week, we at least have one night where the kids are there and we have like the house to ourselves and can mm-hmm. go on a date and just, like think logically again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you've got the, you've got the village. That's really helpful. We don't vacation too often, especially just like in the startup phase. But when we do get to plan something in, we usually try to do it really, a really fun vacation. So that's been really helpful. So looking back seven years ago, you moved, you were saying like, you need, you're, you had this itch of adventure a little bit. And um, do you feel like now, like the things that you are doing, like that is fulfilling that for you? I'm just curious. Yes, for sure. I mean, you know, he says if we didn't have Parker Clay, I'd probably have a million other things right now. So it's given me a good That's solid, you like, focus. One enter focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Focus. That's focus. what a seven Fun needs focus. for sure. Yes. Ian definitely goes to Ethiopia a lot more often. I mean, considering last year, I think he went six times and I went two times. But, but nobody's counting. Go... But nobody's counting, right? I mean, we're just <laughs> yeah, clearly someone's counting. <laughs> we'll talk about that after the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the trips I go on are the more fun trips. <laughs> <laughs> they probably are actually. <laughs> Anything with a seven is when, always more fun. Well, yeah, way when, more fun. When Ian goes, he like forgets to eat. He forgets to like leave you know, our workplace. And I'm always like, what kind of fun food are we going to, what's in the city now that has changed since last time we've been there. And, and I'm like, I got a beef jerky stick and some <laughs> trail mix in the back. We'll just take, we'll just take this. Uh, that's funny. But um, the last few years we've been trying to do um, like three or four days of a vacation trip before or after our trip to Ethiopia together. And that's been really great. I mean, when you go through Dubai, there's so many places that are amazing on that side of the world. So that's been a great stopover. <laughs> so what's cool is we got connected. Um, obviously, you guys were just talking about our book that you, a friend of ours had given you our book and you, through social media, we found out you guys were reading it, which is cool. Uh, I'm curious, um, what's something that was really challenging for you or that you might have a question for us about related to what you've what you read through it. This is an impromptu. You may not have any questions, but I'm, I'm curious. For this podcast, I was actually hoping, uh, feeling like it was kind of going to be like therapy because I'm like, you guys, <laughs> you guys act like you're not the experts. But it feels like you got have it all together. <laughs> <laughs> it's therapy for us. We say that it's yeah. always therapy for us. We get to interview everybody else and learn and then we don't have to like, yeah. It's, so it's, it's our, our therapy. I don't know so much about the people we uh, interview. They're either going to go home and have a good night or a not so good night. What does that mean? What's the good night? It's a good night it's, or a fight. That it's more a good night depth. or a fight. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's still, 
a, a challenge of like, how do you grow the business to where you want in your mind and create breaks and fun when, you know, like more than, I feel like, you know, Ian needs a couple of days to decompress before a vacation. And so, or in the first couple of days of the vacation and diving in when you don't, you, we have, we own the business. So it's like, we should have a good amount of vacation, like vacation as we need, but we are the ones putting, you know, doing all the, mm-hmm. you know, everything for it still. And so creating those breaks and making space for that when everything is always important. Every month is important. Every, it feels like every yes. few weeks, it's like mm-hmm. a new, not emergency. What would we call it? I always tell it, there's a, there's a phrase, Ian always comes back and be like, this is going to be a really busy season. It's like every, every month. And it just like, keeps really going. <laughs> like every and it, yeah, month and, that, and that's, I think it's that's what struck busy. me on, well, yeah, and, yeah. and that's what for me, it struck me in, in the book too, is like a season isn't a season unless it ends. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, and, and that's, I think that's one of the challenges for us. I mean, we do have a really amazing team. That's, yeah. that's a huge part of our success today with 150 employees in Ethiopia, we've got about 20 here in the U S. Um, so, but as we kind of keep growing it and the vision of going, Hey, we want to be way bigger and way, you know, beyond where we're at today. You kind of feel like you're, you know, constantly pushing that along. And so I think I've, you know, said many times to Brittany, Hey babe, it's just the season. Right. And now I like, I, I catch myself before I say it because I know Brittany's going to be like, words mean nothing mm, to me. <laughs> is the end of the season? Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I think what we have, yeah, I think what's probably important and maybe you guys have seen this with other you know people you've talked to, but like there's a certain amount of baggage and things you collected in that season. Mm. That's really healthy to probably unpack, memorialize, yeah. laugh about, cry about, and I think that's one thing that we've probably just, we, we just, we just steamroll that thing, go right next to the next season. Mm. And not because we, it, it's like, we so enjoy the challenge of the next season that we're eager to get into it. It's not like a burden to enter the next challenge. It's like, so that's part of our, mm-hmm. um, that's a good and bad thing. You know, we're, we're so excited to move on that we don't take the time to process what we've just finished. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if that's a statement or a question, but the question is probably like, <laughs> I feel I, like know, you just I answered it. Well, I, yeah, first of all, um, it sounds like you guys are doing like you're, you're setting, you're trying to set good rhythms on the, on consistent rhythms, which is hard to do. So I want to encourage you guys. That. I mean, that's like, even like you were saying, like I'm, there's, I forget one night a week or something, they go to the grandparents or however, often that is that most people listening right now don't get that luxury and don't, even if they could, they don't even try to do it. So, um, and then with the seasons thing, I mean, I can, I can completely relate with that. I mean, when I heard you say 20 employees in the U S and 150 employees in Ethiopia, my shoulders start like rising up. Like I feel the weight of all of that to, maintain it to sustain it to right and probably the last time you went to Ethiopia you met someone you that you wish you could hire more yeah, and you know like all those and that never goes away that's what Andre always sees in me like I I always feel and I don't have I don't have employees like that thankfully I'd be stressed out all the time but <laughs> I'm like I feel that like I I even when you were saying it, I, 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 I could carry it a little bit with you, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that's yeah. the part that just never, it's hard to ever release that mm-hmm. and to be, and then to be able to release that and go, Hey, I'm with the person I love fully and I don't need to think about anything else other than you. Right. Yeah. You don't yeah. do that very well. Or to only think about, <laughs> just hey, kidding. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> You're being good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I jumped on you. <laughs> We're having a moment. You're killing me. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, and and not only okay, that's fine. Forget about you for My a second. My bad. Keep talking. And, Keep talking. Or Ignore to that. actually fully care for myself. 
Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yin doesn't, Yin doesn't do that very well. I mean, he'll take a break and he'll give us some family time or do something with me, but he doesn't. We had a, we had a, we, we had a counselor that we were, we're seeing as a family too. And, and she was talking about how there was this couple where the, the guy would, his one thing he would do was he'd go out and have a cigar after work. And so she said, Ian, what's your cigar? And I was like, I don't know. He's still thinking about it. It's been like, I, I still, gotta close I still don't that know. stress cycle. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. Got to close that so. stress cycle by the end of the day. Yeah, we've been reading a book. Um, Burnout. Burnout. By uh, Emily Nagalski. And it's basically about stress cycles and how you have all day... Um, you have just like low level pressure, anxiety, stress that kind of builds and builds and it builds in your body. And then you have the big stressors that you know happen, right? Like the fires that you got to put out and the this employee and that issue that comes up that you know stressors. So you think about those things, but we rarely forget about these like low level pressure, anxiety, stressors, you know, that stress levels that build in our body all day. Um, and then she and just, just ta- start getting used to that level of stress yes. too. So it builds and builds and builds. And if you don't close these stress cycles and in a sense, release it in some way, whether it's exercise or, um, yeah, a cigar, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, one of them was like laughing is another one of the really great, like stress releasers. But, um, but basically if you don't close it, it'll just keep building in your body and, you know, I'm sure you've had those moments where all of a sudden you're just sick for no reason, right? Or you feel like, you know, you can sleep for like four days straight or, you know, those moments where your body just can't handle it anymore. Um, so anyways, it's been a good book to kind of process that a little bit. But Yeah, so I think you're, it sounds like you guys are in that journey of trying to figure that out of what, what it, I mean, but to be really like frank, I haven't been great at it for years. More recently, I'm learning a lot about it. Andre, in those moments when she wanted a season to end, she would just steal my phone. It's like, I'll I'll give this back to you when you can handle it, you know, like, or whatever. Like, there'd be a moment, like, you guys are approaching Christmas season. Say, I mean, this is like for for what you guys do for retail. You're not going to take the busy. Yeah. You're not going to take a vacation in the next two months. Let's be crystal clear, right? Mm -hmm. But January? Yeah is the slowest month for retail sales, right? Or for online sales, probably. Um, so that's where I think for us, we've had to figure out when are the... We have to claim when the busy season isn't, you know, and go, that's when yeah, we have I to stop. I like that. I read that where you have like, a, after every busy season, you kind of block it out mm-hmm. in the calendar ahead of time. We got to shut good. it down. like, and And it's not... It's not natural to do that, actually. It's a, it feels weird, but we, we need that. And you're right, I think, Ian, for sure, that it takes more than just a few days because usually your body just, de- you know, takes the first three days to decompress, you know, yeah. all those stressors already, let alone be able to, like, rejuvenate yourself in another, you know, in a, in a building back up way. Really, it's three right. days of releasing stress and toxicity, from your body, and then you need more time for the rejuvenation of your mind, body, and soul, you know? So I think you just need longer vacations. Well, <laughs> we've learned a lot. We've learned um, like a lot the past year about how we vacation also. Um, I like to be in a city or even if it's a beach place, something that a town that something's happening. Yes. And from the beginning, I like to have the activity and he could be in a lounge chair the entire vacation. So now I think a year ago on our vacations, when we hit a good spot of, okay, the one hour in the morning, do some sort of activity for Brittany and then she'll chill and relax the rest of the day. <laughs> so yeah, you got to learn how to vacation together. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I'm encouraged by, it sounds like you guys consistently are talking about it. Yeah. We're trying. <laughs> That's why when we say like, we're not the expert, I don't know. I don't know how to s- solve all these things for your situation in any way. But like, if you guys are talking about it, you're doing better than most. But you're thinking about it enough to like write and speak about it, which is so helpful yeah. because I feel like no one speaks about it. Hmm. 
Does that feel lonely? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, I think we only have a couple friends that are in the same situation of um, either working on something together or work to them is something they're both very passionate about, but they're obviously the relationship also and just manage it versus, you know, you got your nine to five and that's not as, you know, important and Mm -hmm. come home to your family. And that's what it's all about. It's like for us, we're as individuals so equally passionate about our work mm-hmm. and our family that that is the the balance I also lo- love hearing from you guys. Mm. Yeah, and you guys are asking the right questions. And I think that's part of it too, is like it's an engagement in the conversation and questions. And I feel like that's like for this to feel like community is 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 beautiful and well done, I think, for you guys, because you know, sitting around a campfire, being in community, it's I, I feel like it's how we were designed to work and live mm. is to go, hey, I don't have all the answers, but let's, let's link arms and figure out how to do this better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we're, we're doing that like in society, in the world where that's shifting and I'm excited to see where it leads. Yeah. Well, this was a little counseling session, yeah, wasn't it? It's been kind of good. It's been good for me. This is like, we're sitting Except around the moment. campfire, but Except- we're on Damn. Except for that moment when you discredited everything I said a second ago. (laughs) Except for that part. Welcome to our lives. I do want to make a quick little, I don't know, blurb in there. Shout out. About this new resource we have called Make Love Work. Andre and I spent, man, an extended amount of time on video. Making... Too much time. A whole video series around... Purpose and relationships. And um, we think it could be really encouraging for you. Or it could be really encouraging for someone you love. So you might be listening to this. You might be thinking, I have a son or daughter that could really be encouraged by this. Or I have a friend that really wants to invest in their relationship and give this to them as a gift for Christmas or the holiday season. The other way to do that is to think about gifting our book to someone that you appreciate. You may even be leader of a company or something like that. Maybe this is something you could give to your staff to encourage them, especially in such a weird season that we're in right now. If we could do something that can encourage the relationships of the people you love, I think it could be a good thing. Loverworkbook.com. Make love work. Well, this leads us to our last question. Oh, yeah. So is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? Definitely possible. Yeah. With balance. Lots of balance. And vacations. <laughs> Time together. A lot of, lot of add-ons. <laughs> but, 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 but. Yes, but. but. Yeah. Yes, but. I think that is really, well, for us in our relationship, it is what makes us most happy. It's to do things that change the world. It makes our love stronger. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And it's just, I think it comes back to, the answer to me is yes. Um, and the, but side of it, I think is looking at, you have to prioritize, you have to choose the priority. Um, we're, you know, we're, our marriage is first, our kids are second and our business is third. Mm-hmm. Right. And I realize those things get inverted all the time and we have to keep coming back to balance, but we have uh, the gift that we have is that we have aligned all three you know, it's a beauty and a curse sometimes, but we've aligned all three of those things mm. in a way that's very meaningful. It's, it's what we believe what we were made to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it lights our passions and, you know, fires and it creates all kinds of other chaos too. But having that alignment, choosing those priorities allows us to do it. And, it, and when it's in alignment, it feeds, it really mm-hmm. feeds itself. Um, mm. And that's what it's fun and exciting. So, yeah. And I would say that, Time is not always how we prioritize the balance. Um, you know, we might say our relationship or our kids is prioritized with time, but we prioritize it by taking our kids to Ethiopia often. We take them on the trips with us. Um, we give them some of the fun perks of having this business with us. We enjoy, like I said, adding on a couple of days for ourselves part of our trip. Um, so that's how we balance it instead of just completely separating them. And now it's time for the breakdown. They're so fun. 
Yeah. I feel like so we great. would be besties if they lived, you know, closer in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. They're so far. They might move here. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they will. You just assume people are going to move to Atlanta. What if we moved to Santa Barbara? Then we would be broke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, uh, I enjoyed a lot of this interview. Yeah, I it was mean, really fun. Um, so fun to hear their story. Um, it's, it's always interesting to hear how kind of the journey that someone goes on to then, in, in essence, finding their purpose. Yeah. It was a beautiful, and, and how he kind of talked at the end about the alignment of it. I really do, you see it so clearly. Mm. I mean, it started with like her dream of moving to Ethiopia, then adopting from Ethiopia, then finding employment for women there. I mean, it's just like, it's this beautiful cycle of how it all aligned together with their marriage, their kids, their work. It was beautiful. The story she shared about Going to Ethiopia being her dream and mm-hmm. then being stuck in a compound. Homeschooling. Mm-hmm. I thought, I'm glad she shared it. It was very vulnerable. It was very honest. And I could, I could sit in that and really feel how difficult and challenging that would be. Yes. I think a lot of people feel that in some senses when maybe one partner is going all out in, you know, a pursuit and a dream and the other might not feel like they're as part of it as they want to be. Yeah, it, it reminds me of something I was talking with a friend about this morning that I've always had a hard time with, which is setting my expectations for something too early. Ooh, that's good. And something I've been working on personally, which is setting my intentions daily. Wow, I just went deep right there. You ever thought about it like that? I feel like you just had a counseling session for me right there. Well, I'm just going to... No expectations, but setting intentions? Hang on, hang on, hang on. I didn't say no expectations. Oh, I feel like we should. I think it's this tension of expectations or intentions. Okay. So one of the things that I've been learning (laughs) through my meditation, and also for that one month of yoga I did that one time, (laughs) is... They always start with... An intention. Yeah, start with your intention. What is your intention for this time? Yeah. And I recently, I haven't been talking about this, but I've been working on it. I know. I feel like this is new new things here that I'm learning. I've been working on what is my intention for my day? Because I think <laughs> historically in my work, my expectation for the day was, I'm going to kill it today. <laughs> I'll wake up and I'll be like, today is the first day of the rest of my life and I'm going to win. That was that was how I would set up every day. So then from there, oh my everything goes downhill. Down. You and I are so opposite in that way. But what I've been working on, and it, and this is new. This is very. This is hot off the press. <laughs> it is because you have not said one word. But to have me you seen a difference this. in me lately? Yes, I've been setting in my meditation in the morning. I say to myself, "All right, what is, what do I want to approach this day? What is today about? What is my intention?" Even this week, my intention daily has been to be grateful for all the things that are happening. Hmm. And so then instead of, I'm trying to find moments of gratefulness. Yeah, Instead of being disappointed for not killing the day that I tried to have originally. Right, because everything goes wrong as it does right now. Anyway, this the has twists and the nothing turns. to do with the it interview does. you just did, but it's something Not I'm thinking about. Exactly, but that that's okay? actually still good. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll do a whole episode on this after I've thought about it a little that's bit. That's a good more. wisdom drop right there. Um, should we go back to the interview though? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I really enjoyed, or I, I really thought about that idea that she they talked about. It is easy to divide and conquer. It's a lot harder to stop and reconnect. And I just, I think it's so true. We get so busy. You just kind of start going in your lane and moving through and you do this and I'll do that and you take care of this kid and I'll take care of that kid. And you move through like that where to really press pause, really turn toward each other and see each other and reconnect with each other. And, you know, him, his question, are you good? 
Like, are we good? Are you yep. good? Like assessing the energy. Just checking in. Between each other and yeah. connecting in that way is a lot harder to do totally on the agree. day-to-day, for sure. Totally agree. I'm so thankful for their vulnerability today, for their honesty, for their story. Yeah, it was good. So good make stuff. sure all you people that are looking for a present this Christmas season. Let's remember to be conscious consumers. Number one. Number one, know where your stuff is made and then buy for good. So if you want to do like that, home run for that, this season, we want you to buy something from Parker Clay, the promo code LOVERWORK20, and you get 20% off. Yeah, we just hooked them up with a discount. Um, I just hooked you up with a discount to buy me my Marie backpack. Sounds a little selfish. <laughs> so thank you for listening to another episode of Love, Love or Work. work. was recorded by our favorite Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions. <laughs>